Have you ever woken up late at night with just this awful weight on your chest, on your mind? Just this feeling of stress or sadness or depression, whatever word you use to describe this feeling, but you can't figure out what it is. Maybe you're newly a single parent. Maybe you've been a single parent for a long time, and yet you still have this feeling that you just can't get rid of. And you do all kinds of things to distract yourself. You bury yourself in work, or you pick up a bunch of hobbies, or you do things to so you don't have to feel it. But it never goes away. Well, I'd like to offer a thought, and it's going to be what we're going to talk about today. Possibly, you need to grieve what you've lost because you've lost something and you need to reconcile that. Welcome to the Single Parent Preacher. My name is Alex. Now, my story goes back even before I was a single parent. When my son was little, I mean, little, little, something would happen. Something would happen. Argument, a fight, something. And when he was little, we would co-sleep, and there were a couple of nights where I woke up, and I just looked at him, and I felt, I felt so sorry for him, because it wasn't what I thought I would be able to give him for a life. Fast forward a few years, and, you know, legal processes have started, and I sat down at breakfast with a friend of mine, and I said, I just have this overwhelming feeling, this sadness. I don't know how to describe it. And now I've never been known as like a significantly positive person, but this was a different level. And he said to me, you're grieving. Oh, grieving? What do you mean? I said, you're grieving. Set out with a plan. You set up with this, this thing, this marriage, and now it's not working. And now you're grieving it. You have to grieve. And so I did. Prayed and I cried and I realized that's what it was. Now, however you became a single parent, you lost something. You know, if your significant other passed away, that one's kind of obvious, but no less painful for sure. They're not here anymore. You have to grieve that. If you got divorced, well, they're still here, but you have to grieve the loss of like this life that you thought you were going to have. I talked a few episodes ago about dealing with your expectations, that you were going to have to let go of however you expected your life to go and accept what God wants your life to be. This is a part of that, is it's okay to feel sad about what you've lost. Because you, you've lost something. You've lost something that was very important, very emotional, and now it's gone. There's no other walk of life where if that happened, you wouldn't be allowed to feel sad. But maybe it's neither of those. Maybe you became a single parent out of wedlock. Maybe even out of a relationship. It just sort of happened. Well, now you've lost the life that you thought you were going to have too. You have to view life completely differently now. 
When your friends go out to do things, you can't just go out and do them anymore. If you try to find a relationship, now you have to consider babysitters, time. When looking for a potential partner, you have this whole other list of questions you have to ask now. Will they be a good example for my child? Will they be a good role model? Will we be able to do that together? And some of that you won't really know for a good amount of time, but it's a question you have to ask. Everything changes. You lose what you thought you were going to have. And now it's important that I point out here that we all have something wonderful, and that is our children. We love our kids. And all of that stuff that we lost, we don't think about it, or we try not to think about it because we have our kids, and that's worth everything. But what happens when the kids are in bed? If your kids are older, they're over a friend's house. When you have time alone, which I knew was rare, what comes to mind? You see, it's easy to get busy, to distract ourselves with work, or hobbies, or even sinful pursuits. It's easy to be distracted by all those things, to numb or forget that we have this pain. But it doesn't get us anywhere to do that. We have to engage it. We have to grieve it. We have to resolve it. We have to cry, scream, whatever your process is, you have to do it. Because it's only by doing it that you can move on. You know, that's always the phrase. You need to move on. You need to get over it. But usually we don't do that. We just distract ourselves from it. To move on, to get over it, is to engage it, to feel it, and then to heal from it. So let's look at a little scripture. Ecclesiastes 7, starting at verse 2. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to a house of feasting, because that is the end of every man, and the living take it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for when a face is sad, a heart may be happy. The mind of the wise is in the house of mourning, while the mind of fools is in the house of pleasure. That was Ecclesiastes 7, 2 through 4. Solomon here is talking about what it means to do the wise things as the foolish thing. And he talks about how it's better to cry than it is to laugh. Just think about that sentence for a second. The beginning of verse 3, sorrow is better than laughter. Have you ever felt like sorrow was better than laughter? I haven't. But the point that Solomon is trying to make here is that it's better to feel sad, genuinely sad for something, than it is to go and do things to make you yourself feel happy when you're not. I like the second part of verse 3. For when a face is sad, a heart may be happy. While I have never felt that sorrow was better than laughter, I have felt a release of stress, of worry, of frustration when I've had a good cry. There's something liberating about being able to just cry. One of the first sermons I ever did, I was in college, 
I was at chapel. And I had gotten all dressed up because I was in homiletics. And in homiletics, they tell you to dress up, look the part. So I'm coat, tie, the whole bit. I look good. Get into chapel. Worship happens. I get about a song and a half into work. And I collapsed into my chair, crying. I mean, ugly cry. I don't know that there is such a thing as cute cry. But there's definitely such a thing as ugly cry, and this was that. After about a song, I tried to get up and re-engage in worship, and I couldn't. I went right back down, right back to crying. And it started getting towards the end of worship, and I realized that, and I just started praying, God, please help me compose myself so that I'm not crying when I get in front of everyone. And by the grace of God, I stopped crying. However, I had been crying so hard, my hands were locked in like, if you took your hands and you pretended like you had them wrapped around a ball and just tightened all of your fingers, just hold your fingers like that and try to do anything. You you can't. That's what my hands were like. I couldn't move my individual fingers. I had been crying so hard. I was trying to flip through my big study Bible and I'm I'm genuinely like wedging two fingers in and just flipping like a hundred pages at a time because I can't move a single page. And I got through the sermon. It went really well from what I was told. I always wondered why that happened. And it wasn't until sitting here right now that I had a moment revelation, I suppose. I always knew that God hit me, and I never understood quite how or why. And what he did is he took away all of my defenses. He took away all of my worries. In fact, my only worry at the point of getting up and preaching the sermon was, I just don't want to be crying in front of everybody. I wasn't worried about saying the right words or looking right or would would this make sense? Because my all of my notes were like six half sentences and a couple of verses. That's all I had. But because I broke down so hard, all of my defenses were gone, and the only thing that was left was me. And that's what we have to do when we grieve. You have to be willing to take down all of those defenses, all of those walls, get rid of all of the distractions, and just be you. Feel that pain. You have to do that. Because holding that builds an internal wall. And you may have gone through this cycle a few times where something happens and it seems to, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a job, maybe it's some it's a new situation, and it goes through and it's going well, and then it reaches a point where you, you always seem to hit a wall, and you can never pass that wall. And it's happened time and time again, and you're frustrated. How do I get past this wall? Well, what's stopping you? Are you still carrying the weight of your past hurts and pains with you? I realized just recently how much pain I carry for what's happened to me in past relationships. Not just my divorce, but relationships before that. I never grieved them. It was a wall I didn't even know I had. But it's a weight. And you have to 
grieve it. You have to let it go. You have to open that Pandora's box of emotion and mourn. The mind of the wise is in the house of mourning, while the mind of fools is in the house of pleasure. And it's scary to start. Even in listening to this, if you're thinking about that pain, if you're thinking about anything related to what I'm talking about, you're like, I don't, I do not want to start that. I know where that's going to go. I do not want to feel that feeling. I don't. And if you're on the way to work, probably not the best time. But you need to make the time, and you have to start. Let's go a little bit later in this passage in Ecclesiastes. Start at verse 8. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. Patience of spirit is better than haughtiness of spirit. Do not be eager to be angry, for anger resides in the bosom of fools. Do not say, why is it that the former days were better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. When you start mourning, it is when you are your most vulnerable, your most raw. There's the most emotion there. It is the scariest time. It's like I used to have stage fright. Then I was forced to perform. Genuinely forced. And I realized that it it wasn't the being on stage part. It was the anticipation of being on stage. The hardest thing about starting to grieve might not be actually getting into the emotion. It might just be the thought of it. It might just be the idea of even starting. But the thing is, when you start, as you go through it, it gets easier and it gets better. And not only does that emotion, does that burden start to lift, but it starts to affect your life. It affects the way you interact with your kids. It affects the way you interact with work, with God. It changes things. Think about when you have a new job. When you start a new job, it's super stressful. You have all of these new things to learn, new people, new systems, new everything. Even if it's in the same field that you've always done, new place, there's new people, new rules. There's a lot of anxiety there, but as you stay there longer, as you learn more, it gets easier, and it gets easier, and it gets easier. Grieving is the same way, but you have to be willing to to give it time, to take time. I mean, the second part of Verse 8, patience of spirit is better than haughtiness in spirit. This is the New American Standard. The English Standard, I believe, says pride of spirit. Because we think we should be able to just get over it, power through it, get, just, just grieve it, I'm going to cry, and I'm done. Probably not. It's a process. And you have to be willing to let yourself go through the process and fail and cry, and feel that pain, but be willing to go through it. Be willing to take the time to go through it. And it's going to take time. And we can get angry with ourselves. Verse 9, do not be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger resides in the bosom of fools. Anger is not going to help. Now, you may have anger that you're holding in as a part of the grieving process, but you don't want anger to be your First response, do not be eager to be angry. This is where forgiveness comes in. Whatever your situation is, there's probably some forgiveness to be had, and some of it might be for you. I know it's the strangest thought to think that you need to look in the mirror and say, I'm sorry. 
But sometimes you do. Sometimes the person you have to forgive is yourself. Your past self for things that you did. Your current self for things that you're doing. But you need to be able to do that. You need to do that. And I love verse 10. Do not say, why is it that the former days were better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask about this. We romanticize the past. It's how people get stuck in like abusive relationships. You get together, good times happen, then bad times happen, and then you break away. I'm not going to go through it again. I'm not going to do it again. And you start thinking about, it. oh, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Then you get a text message, phone call. I'm sorry, it'll be different this time. Don't you remember when we did this, that, the other thing? And then you go back through it. This is how we end up in these cycles where we keep repeating the same mistakes that we made before. Because we think it was better then, but it wasn't. For it is not from wisdom that you ask about this. Solomon's basically saying your focus is wrong. You're asking the wrong question. And part of getting the right answer is asking the right question. Be objective about it for a second. Was it really better back then? Probably not. For most of us, the good old days weren't that good. We just don't want to think about the bad parts. But it's important that we remember them because there are lessons to be learned there. That's a topic for another time. But it's not wise. It's not good for us to focus on or to think that the past was somehow better. Because that doesn't help. It doesn't help deal with today. If you spend your days going, man, I just wish it was like three years ago. Things were so much better three years ago. They probably weren't. Maybe they were. Either way, how does that help you right now? Does it change your today? Does it help you fix problems today to think about how great things were before? Probably not. You need to focus on what God wants to do today. Not what happened before, what's happening now. Now, when you grieve, you're going to be grieving about things that happened before. Maybe you'll even be grieving things that you thought would happen in the future, but now aren't. I think it's okay to grieve broken expectations. I think that's okay. But whatever you do, whatever you're grieving, the end question should be, what do I do now? And if you're having trouble getting started, I've mentioned this a few times, find someone to talk to. Maybe you can't do it on your own. That's okay. Find someone to talk to. Find a support group, a therapist, a pastor, a friend, somebody you can sit with and say, here's what's going on. Here's what I went through. Here's what I've done. Here's how I, here's how I feel about it. Let yourself be you, not work you, not hobby you, not busy you, just you. Because the thing about all of those different versions of you is that it all comes back to who you are at your core, who God made you to be, and what you're holding on to. So grieve. Feel that pain. Feel that loss. Own it. Don't push it aside. Don't ignore it. Don't distract yourself. From it. And absolutely get help for it. Even before you do the 
you, you try to engage it for the first time. If you don't think you can do that by yourself, don't. But don't wait any longer to try to start the process either. Find someone. Get help. This is how we move forward. This is how we get over it. Because we didn't get over it. We healed from it. It's an emotional broken limb. If you had a physical broken limb and you went to the doctor, they'd put a cast on it and say, it's going to take this long to heal. There's not going to be a timetable for how long it takes you to heal. Not from this. But you need to be healing. Not distracting. Not running. With that in mind, God, we thank you for another day. For another time we can spend together to talk about how to heal from our pain. God, I pray you give us all the boldness to be vulnerable, to engage in our pain. Pray that you help us to heal from it, that we would seek help if we need, that you would put people into our lives and into our paths that can help us, that your hand would be on our hearts and our minds as we go through and we heal, and that you would show us what we can do today to heal a little bit more, to get a little bit closer to you and be more the person that you want us to be. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. You can find me on Twitter at SPPreacherPod. You can email me at thesingleparentpreacher at gmail.com. Thank you for your time, as always. I would ask that, I know it takes time, but I would would love to ask for some of your genuine feedback. Is this helpful? Is there something, are there topics you would like to hear about? Are there things you would like to hear discussed or ways you think the show could be better or maybe just a story of how it's helped you if it has if you're willing to share i would be very grateful to hear it but until next time remember that grieving is a process and it's okay to not be okay as long as you're moving towards healing